You know, folks, we've been doing this series called Living Beneath the Surface, about finding your joy in Christ. And what we're talking about with this series is about you having more in your Christian life than just the superficial. See, living on the surface is just attending church. Living on the surface is just making Christianity and your salvation something that you only do one hour a week or two hours. Maybe a few moments each day as you pray. Or maybe more if you're in a desperate situation, right? Where you're praying and asking God, God, help me. That's living on the surface. We're talking about getting beneath the surface and finding something so much more in your Christian life, something that God intended for you to have. He wants you to have so much more out of your Christian life. But the problem is, is we don't know how to do that. We don't even know that that exists. And he wants you to have so much more. And we're going to talk about what that so much more is today. And we're actually going to talk about guarding it. Because here's the thing. Even if you find that so much more in your spiritual lives, in your Christian life, even if you find yourself beginning to live beneath the surface, there are other people who don't want you to be there. And they will try to get you back to a superficial spirituality. We're going to talk about that today. And we're going to talk about guarding your joy, because that's really the theme of all of Philippians. He mentions the word several times throughout the entire epistle in the four chapters about you having joy in Jesus. And I think if we were honest with ourselves, we would say to ourselves here today, at least I would say for myself, I want something so much more out of my Christianity. I want something so much more out of coming to church. But a lot of us, really, to be honest with you, Christianity is boring. Well, I would say it's boring because you don't truly understand what's really available to you. You don't truly understand what it means to have a relationship with the living God. So let's look at it today. We're going to look at three verses, chapter 3. I want you to notice with me what he says. Paul writes, the apostle writes, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. For me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware the mutilation. For we are the circumcision who worship God in the Spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. Wow, George, what in the world is he talking about? It's like he's telling me to be joyful. The next minute he's telling me to be careful of dogs and Then he's saying, we are the circumcision. What in the world is he talking about? Well, we're going to talk about these three verses today because it's going to help you to understand what it is about living beneath the surface and how you need to guard it. We're going to see several things here. First of all, verse 1, he's going to talk about true delight. Rejoice in the Lord. Find your joy in Jesus. True delight. Here's what I want you to notice. Number one, you must find your joy in Jesus Christ. You must find your joy in Jesus Christ. Now, when I say that, I can almost guarantee you, because I know I've been there, I can almost guarantee you 
that you, you hear that and you're like, oh yeah, I agree with that, find your joy in Jesus. But for most of us, we don't have any clue what that means. Find your joy in Jesus. Does that mean I'm supposed to have a wonderful time in church? Am I supposed to like really get into the music when they're playing the music? What does that mean, find your joy in Jesus? Well, I think the best word to describe it is find your delight in Jesus. I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about. I think all of us can relate to this example. So I want you to think for a moment about, okay, some of you are married here, so you maybe need to think way back. Okay, some of you are newly married. You can still think back. But I want you to think about when you found that special someone or that someone found you. Okay, I want you to think about when that person entered into your life. And I want you to think about how, and this happens, doesn't it? You became consumed with them. What do you mean became consumed with them? Well, I want to talk about it. You're at work, typing away, and you're supposed to be working on some project, but all you're thinking about is that person. In fact, you know that you're thinking about that person because while you're typing away, you wrote their name out 20 times. Right? Or the phone rings, and before you met them, you never would answer it because you just thought it's just somebody else wanting something from me, and I don't really want to talk to anybody today. But now you answer the phone all the time because it might be them, right? Remember, that's how you used to be. Now, I know you're not like that anymore because you don't want to answer the phone now. But maybe you need to get back to the way you were before. What's going on? Why are you acting that way? Because that person brought you what? Joy. And I would say you found your delight in them. See, that's what it talks about, joy. Joy here is not talking about just being happy, happy in Jesus. No, that's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about you finding your joy in the relationship with him so that you find your delight in your action, interaction with God, that you want to have that relationship with him. So the first thing he's going to say to you is, he says, finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. You find your joy in Jesus. See, that's what's available to you. Now, here's the sad thing. Most of you have no clue about that. For some of you, that's totally brand new. You never even thought of that. You never even heard that. You say, I've been going to churches all my life. Nobody's ever talked to me about that. Yeah, I can believe that. I can believe that very clearly. You can go to church all your life and never hear that. But there is something wonderful out there, and he's telling you to do this. Find your joy, find your delight in the relationship with God. Here's what I want you to understand. This is what blows my mind. God wants you to find your delight in him. He wants to interact with you. He wants to have such a relationship with you so that you want to spend time with him. You want to know the number one reason why some of you struggle with prayer? I hear that all the time. Boy, I know I need to be praying, George, but 
Boy, it is a, it is a chore. I'll tell you why it's a chore. You don't have a delight anymore. You've lost your joy in your relationship with Jesus. Look, when I was, Lori and I were just talking about this 25 years ago, a few weeks ago, 25 years ago, I asked this lady to marry me, okay? And weird stuff happens with Lori and I. I'll just be honest with you. It does in our relationship. I actually gave her the ring driving down 29 in Lynchburg, crossing a river. She knew that I had the ring. She said, give me the ring, give me the ring. Here. <laughs> no, I don't want it. Because <laughs> we were headed to a beautiful beautiful old mill. You know what I'm saying? With the water. And, and she was like, give me the ring. No, I don't want it. That's the kind of, that's our relationship, okay? All right. So, I can remember delighting whenever she would call. Now, that was back, the only people back then who had cell phones were people who had money. That was back in a day when people, you want to believe how stupid we were back then? When you would go and buy a fake antenna to put on your car to act like you had a cell phone. (laughs) Do you guys remember that? Or you'd buy the plastic one that looked like you were talking on one because you wanted people to think you were special back then. That was the early 90s, folks. Okay? But I can remember being in my office working and Lori, and I would drop everything for her. Why? Because I found my delight. So guess what? I wanted to talk to her. Rejoice in the Lord. He's telling you to find your delight in him. Now, here's the interesting thing, because notice, because he follows it up with an interesting statement. It's like, okay, I understand that now, Paul. What? Look at what he says right after that. He says, for me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for you it is safe. Hold on here, Paul, hold on. What are you talking about? You just told me to rejoice in the Lord. I understand that, and yes, I want that, but now you're saying, what what are you talking about? Well, here's what it is. You must be continually reminded of this for your spiritual well-being. Why? Well, okay, I'll go back to Lori and I. 25 years ago, waiting for a phone call. 25 years later, what do you want? I'm busy. Now you were like, I can't believe you're at You do that. Right? What happens? Happens with every relationship. Every single relationship. It grows cold. Things interfere. Work interferes. Other stuff interferes. And what happens? Your joy is robbed in that relationship, happens in your relationship with Jesus. Now, here's what Paul's saying. You and I need to be continually reminded, continually reminded to what? Have our true joy and delight in Jesus. We need to be continually reminded about the relationship with him. Why? Because we forget. We forget. And then we wake up one day and wonder, why Why are we here? Why are we having this? Where? What's going on? You forgot. And you need to be reminded. 
You need to be reminded. You need to be continually reminded. In fact, that's just not a principle here in this passage. Peter talks about the same thing all the way over in 2 Peter. In 2 Peter, he says, as long as I'm alive, I'm going to continue to remind you of these things. See, that's what, I want you to understand there's nothing new in church. If anybody says I'm going to a church where they've got some new teaching, stay away from there. There's nothing new. We just need to be continually reminded about the same things that we're being taught all the time. And what's that? Find your true love in Jesus. Find your true love in Jesus. So that's our true delight. Now, we get to verse 2, and it seems like he's switching gears again, because look at what he says in verse 2. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the mutilation. Whoa, what is he talking about now? That just blows my mind. Well, it has everything to do with verse 1. Because he told us to rejoice in the Lord. And that you need to be continually reminded of this. So now he's going to, in verse 2, tell you about the danger. And it's a danger to every single one of you and to myself. What is it? Look with me. When it comes to your spiritual well-being, you have to be on guard. When it comes to your spiritual well-being, you have to be on guard. You have to be aware. Aware of what, George? Aware that there are things out there that are going to try to rob your joy in Jesus. There are things out there that are seeking to destroy your relationship with God. You need to recognize that. You need to be on guard. Do you know what I'm saying? You, you need to be like if you have a special relationship with someone, you're trying to do everything you can to make sure that nobody interferes with that relationship, right? You're going to do everything you can to protect it. He's saying the same thing to you and I. You have a wonderful relationship with God where he takes delight in you. He forgives you. He interacts in your life. Now you need to do everything you can to protect it. Protect it. Why? Because there's dogs out there, and he's not talking about a Rockwilder or a pit bull. He's using a description of some other people. There are some, he says, evil workers. There are people who are out to destroy your faith. And then he says, beware of the mutilation. What in the world is he talking about there? Well, for them in their day, it was people coming along to Gentiles who normally did not get circumcised and saying to them that in order for you to be in a relationship with God, in order for you to be saved, you had to what? Observe the law. And if you were a dude, you had to get circumcised. So that's what he's telling us here. Here's what it is. Second thing I want you to see there. You have spiritual enemies that seek to rob your joy. You have spiritual enemies that seek to rob your joy. Now, it's my job as a pastor to be aware of those things. So I'm just going to, can I have an intimate moment with you for a moment? Okay. I'm on Facebook. A lot of you are my friends. So I see your 
stuff that you're liking and the stuff that you want to share and so forth, blah, 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 wonderful. And some of you, some of you guys are sharing some wonderful things out there, wonderful. But I'm going to tell you, there are some days where the, where the hair stands up, what hair I have stands up on the back of my head. Because I see people liking teachers who shouldn't be liked. Because the stuff that they're offering will rob your joy. The stuff that they're teaching will rob your joy. And yeah, maybe they got a nice saying. Maybe it's a wonderful picture. But there are people who want to rob you of your relationship. In fact, that's the third point I want you to see here. When he says beware of mutilation, they do this by imposing so-called spiritual teaching on you. They do this by imposing so-called spiritual teaching on you. Let me tell you one of the biggest lies that are out there right now. It's being purveyed on the TV. It's right here in our community. Let me tell you what it is. God wants you to be healthy and wealthy. Have you heard that one? And the reason why you're not healthy and wealthy is because, and this is the dangerous part, the dangerous part is the reason why you're not healthy and wealthy is because you don't have enough faith. If you had enough faith, you'd be healthy and wealthy. So, excuse me, how many people here are struggling, getting ready to get sick? Don't show us who you are because we don't want to ostracize you to stay away from you. But if you're here, think about it for a moment. If that's you... You must be having a faith problem this week, according to those teachers. How many of you have a deflated bank account? Me. George, I'm, I'm, I'm shocked that you don't have enough faith. That's what those teachers are saying. That's what they preach. That's what you like on Facebook. Can I tell you that is wrong? That is a lie from the pit of hell? God's blessing in your life has nothing to do with the level of your faith. It has to do with your relationship with him. God never promised that you were going to be wealthy. He sure didn't promise you that you're going to be healthy. Why? Because you live in a world where there is sickness. You live in a world where bodies deteriorate. See, what happens is, is that when you embrace that kind of teaching and all of a sudden you see your life going upside down, maybe you're told you have cancer, all of a sudden you lose your job, you begin to become self-defeated and think, well, I don't have enough faith. How do I get enough faith? How do I get enough faith? And the joy is sucked right out of your life. That's just one of the teachings that are out there. That's just one of the things that will rob you of your joy. See, God wants you to have that delightful, joy-filled relationship with Jesus. And he's going to continually remind you of it, but he also says you've got to guard it because whether you know it or not, there are people who are out there, teachers who are out there that will try to rob you of it. I just told you about that one. Here's another one. Don't go to this place. Don't go to that place. 
If you go to that restaurant, if you go to that place where they show movies, or if you go over here to this, you know, if you go because they have a bar in the middle or something, you must not be a good Christian. We've heard those kind of things before, haven't you? You got to dress a certain way or whatever. And if you don't dress a certain way, if you don't carry a certain Bible, then you're not right with God. And that's probably why you're facing the stuff that you're facing, because you're not right with God. And so guess what? That just That's another false teaching that what? Sucks the joy right out of your relationship with God. Beware. You got to be on guard. But now he comes to verse 3. Why has he come to verse 3? Because it seems like he's changing the subject again. No, because he wants you to be what? Joyful. So he's going to tell us some things here. Look with me at verse 3. So here's what he's saying. He's saying, don't focus on that issue of circumcision because we are the circumcision. We are the people who are accepted with God. Look at what he says, verse 3. For we are the circumcision who worship God in the Spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. Here's what I want you to see, folks. The basis for your true joy. He's going to share three things here as the basis for you having true joy in Jesus. What are they? First one, who worship God in the Spirit. Here's the thing. You can truly worship God in the Spirit. Here's what he's saying. The basis of true joy is is that every single one of you here has the ability to truly worship God in your spirit. In your spirit. Because what we do, though, is we think that worship God is the song service. The problem is, if you're like me, you can't sing. Let me tell you something. I remember when I first became a Christian, went to a little bitty independent Baptist church in West Columbia, South Carolina. My buddy, who was an engineering student with me, brought me to that church, and I, was, I got saved, and, and uh, we were singing every Sunday morning, and I just loved singing. I thought I could sing. And one day I said, boy, I, I just love singing. I think I can sing good. He said, no, you can't. <laughs> so now I don't sing out loud. In fact, my wife even says, you're not on time or on the right key. Okay, so I'm glad that true worship isn't found in singing because if it were, I'm in trouble. And so were some of you. True worship is found by worshiping him in your spirit. Right where you are, who you are, no matter what you've done. That's the basis of true joy, that when I can go to him, even in in all of my inadequacies, even in all of my faults, even in all of the things that I do wrong, I can still go to him and he accepts my worship because I worship him from my heart. Not because of my ritual and form. Isn't that wonderful? Here's the second thing. Here's what he says. We worship the... Worship God in the spirit, verse two, rejoice in Christ Jesus. There's that joy thing again. Here's what it is. Here's what I want you to see. You have true delight in your relationship with Jesus Christ. You have true delight. 
That's what, you don't need to focus on what these guys are saying that you need to do to have a relationship with Jesus. No, you know that it's a relationship with the living God and he did everything for you to have that relationship. And so now you are just excited to have a relationship with him. Let me tell you something. I told you before that when I first started taking an interest in Lori, I knew that she turned everybody down flat. And I figured, and in fact, I had guy buddies tell me, don't even bother. I knew so-and-so, and he tried, and she told him no. And I strategized for six months to try to get a date. In fact, the date we were supposed to go on, she even said, figure out, bring somebody else. But I still ended up taking her. So here's the thing. When, she, when it was evident that she liked me, How do you think I felt? And I wouldn't leave her alone then. And haven't left her alone since. And she would like me to leave her alone. Because she liked me. Now, why am I telling you all this silly things? Here, I'm telling you this because that's the relationship with Jesus. He likes you. He loves you. In spite of you. Because he knows everything about you. And he still likes you. So find your joy in him. Find your delight in the one who likes you. That, that's what Paul's saying here. That's the basis for true joy, is that Jesus likes me in spite of me. Here's the third thing. You recognize that there is nothing you can do for this relationship. Look at what it says, and have no confidence in the flesh. What's that talking about? Here's the thing. You recognize that you can do nothing for the relationship. You want to know what spiritual maturity is? Here, let me tell you what spiritual maturity is. Spiritual maturity is arriving at the point where you realize it's not how often you come to church that gains your acceptance with Jesus. Spiritual maturity is real, coming to the point where you realize it's not how often you read the Bible or able to answer the Bible questions that get your acceptance with Jesus. Spiritual maturity is coming to the point where you realize it's not how much you stick in an offering plate that gets you your acceptance with Jesus. Spiritual maturity is not how many things you're involved in in church, even though you hate it. Well, I'm doing it for you, Jesus, even though I'm hating it. You must like me for that. No, spiritual maturity is recognizing that you have no confidence in anything that you do, that you have a relationship with Jesus because he wants to have the relationship with you and he accepts you right where you are. That's joy. See, all that other spiritual teaching, it wants you to be thinking in terms of what you have to do. Well, the problem is, is you can never do enough for God So you'll always be defeated. And it will always rob you of your joy. So what do we do? 
You say, George, I'm listening to you. I'm hearing this. I, I want that kind of a delight in Jesus. Yeah, I've let some guys suck the joy out of my life as far as spirituality. Well, let me give you two things to think about. Number one, first of all, you've got to understand this point. There is no joy in a superficial relationship with Jesus Christ. What does that mean? Well, let me give it to you practically. If you came this morning and you thought, well, if I just go to church, that'll be enough. Wrong. Because after a while, you're going to realize that it's not enough. After a while, it's going to get boring. You're going to come in and say, well, it's the same old routine. Two songs, offering, prayer, two more songs, George, hope he does okay today. Then we'll be done by noon, hopefully, if he's not long-winded. Then it'll be Pizza Hut, McDonald's, or something at home. And that's it every Sunday. Wish they would liven it up a little bit. It's coming boring. Look, if you, if that's, that's superficial Christianity, that's living on the surface. And there is no joy in living on the surface. You've got to realize that if you want true joy in your relationship with Christ, if you want true joy in your life, you've got to find it in a deeper relationship with Jesus. And look, that changes the whole perspective of church because church now becomes a means to help you in that relationship with Jesus. It doesn't serve as the relationship with Jesus. The reason why some of you are finding no joy is because church is substituting what you should have, and that's the relationship with Jesus. And church is always going to be boring. Trust me. If I weren't speaking and I was just sitting there listening, guess what I would be doing? Nodding in agreement. With my eyes closed. I mean, that's just because I would be, like, tired. There is no joy in a superficial relationship with Jesus. You've got to wake up to that fact. And, 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 but here's the thing. I know I can only tell you that it's your choice to wake up to that fact. Here's the second thing. See if you've allowed someone to rob you of your joy in Christ Jesus. You need to see if you've allowed someone to rob you of your joy in Jesus Christ. You know, it's interesting. I've been here 16 and a half years. And uh, that's, that's, that's a blessing to be here. It's a blessing that God has allowed me to be here 16 and a half years. But in those 16 and a half years, we've had numbers of people come and go. Numbers of people who've come and stayed. We've had numbers of people who just show up. And after a while they decide this is not for them. And some of them who've decided this is not for them, I just kind of have to shake my head. Because they didn't grasp it. What do you mean they didn't grasp it, George? What are you talking about? Well, here's what I'm talking about. They were used to going to a church where they had to do things. 
What do you mean do things? Well, they had to dress a certain way. They had to only worship from a certain book, meaning a hymnal, like what you have in front of you, which we don't use the hymnal very much, okay? Or they had to be involved in everything, whether they hated it or not. They were there. And, and then they gave. And, and that was Christianity for them. So when they come into a church like this, and this is what's distinctive about our church, is that when you come here after a while, you should realize that we don't emphasize that at all. We actually emphasize grace. What is grace? That God accepts you not because of you, but because of his love for you. And so what ends up happening is, is these folks end up feeling uncomfortable because they can't grasp that. They've embraced some of this wrong teaching. Someone has robbed them of their joy to the point where they think that the only way that they're going to be accepted with God is by doing stuff or, or being the right way and stuff. And so eventually they just kind of disappear. And the leaders and I, we understand and we weep for them because they haven't grasped it. See, it's possible that you're here and, and you've allowed someone to rob you of your joy in Jesus. Maybe somewhere years ago someone said to you because you were divorced you could never do anything in a church. They used to teach that, do you know? Because you're divorced, you can't do anything. So, But hey, please come, please give. Take a seat, fill a seat so we can make sure we count you and we have your money. But you can't do anything. Isn't that what we did? And so we had a bunch of people in church who were defeated that never thought that they could do anything for the Lord because somebody taught them something wrong. I could go on. The whole health and wealth faith thing. I don't have enough faith. That's why I'm struggling. See, there is a wonderful relationship with Jesus out there waiting for you. You just have to reach out for it. That's all you have to do. But maybe you're not because you've allowed somebody to teach you something that's not in the Bible. I don't care how many times they tell you it's in the Bible. It's not. Grace is in the Bible. So if you want to find that joy, that true delight in your relationship with Jesus, you maybe need to see if somebody's robbed you. And if you're having a hard time processing it, we'll help you. We'll talk you through it. We'll show you the scripture. Because we want you to have that relationship with Jesus. Don't you want that relationship with Jesus? I hope so. Let me pray for you.